Hello, and welcome back to Character Speaks, a podcast in partnership with ProSign Design to spotlight passionate character educators who are walking the talk. I'm your host, Barbara Gruner, and today I am super excited because we were visiting um, with Tanya Gilchrist across the world, actually in Japan, about her journey and what's taken her so very far from home and how she's inspiring people in um, faraway places. So Tanya, welcome to Character Speaks today. Thank you, Barbara. I'm so excited to be here. Um, we first met on Twitter. I've been inspired by your work. I know you're a, a blogger and a teacher and a speaker. Why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about what brought you to today? Sure. Um, so I'm now in my, I believe it's my 13th year as an educator. Um, I actually started working and teaching uh, in Virginia in the United States. That's where I'm from. And I taught middle school language and literature and history there for uh, a couple years. And then I moved to Texas when I married my husband. He's from Texas. And I taught there for about four years. Um, and I also started working there as an instructional coach as well. And then from there, we decided to move abroad and we started off in Thailand. Um, and we were in Thailand for two years. And then we moved to Japan, and now we're starting our fourth school year in Japan. Um, my husband's working as a grade four PYP teacher, so PYP is primary years program. And then I'm working with middle school, uh, both in the classroom, so I teach grade six and grade eight language and literature, but then I also serve as a literacy coach, and it's really exciting um, at my current school because I have the opportunity not only to coach other teachers in English, but also in Japanese language and literature, which has been a lot of fun. Uh, and then I also work with Aaron Kent Consulting, um, and I visit schools all around the world. And what I work with primarily with those schools is readers and writers workshop and how to take readers and writers workshop and marry it with inquiry-based learning. Um, many international schools use the IB programs, and for any listeners who aren't familiar with the IB, it's really grounded in inquiry-based learning, and it's all about teaching with conceptual understandings and uh, empowering students to skills for lifelong learning, and reading and writing workshops is all about those things, too. It's very much about learner agency and, and skills for learning. So uh, much of the work I do is with helping schools take these two really great philosophies and frameworks and how to make them even more powerful when they're put together. Um, and then I also do some work with, with schools on what I mentioned a few moments ago, which is using readers and writers workshop in another language, in a host country language, like Japanese or Korean or Arabic or whatever language their school is working in. So I do a lot of work with uh, that as well. Um, and then, yeah, we connected on Twitter. Um, I really love connecting with other educators there. I think it's so inspiring. There's such a great network of people who are sharing ideas and just lifting each other up. Um, and, and then I often write on my blog as well as a way to sort of get my passions and my message out there. Yeah, I'm going to circle back to your blog, but I, I have kind of a burning question, and I don't know if it's 
like obvious, but are, are you fluent in all of those other languages that you're <laughs> consulting in, or do you um, travel with a translator? No, I love, I love that question. Um, I'm so glad you brought that up. No, I am not. It's actually, um, uh, it kind of makes me a little bit sad to say that the only language I'm truly fluent in is English. Uh, when I was younger um, in school, I took Spanish in middle school and high school, and then I studied Italian in university. But with both of those languages, as, as many listeners can probably relate, you know, the phrase, if you don't use it, you lose it kind of thing. Since I haven't spent time living in a Spanish-speaking country nor an Italian-speaking country, I've really lost a lot of both of those languages that I learned in school. So I can still read them a bit, but I cannot keep up with conversation. It's too fast and too difficult. Um, so that's something that I think is really important for teachers to know, because I know as our world is becoming more and more global and people are, you know, moving all over and we end up with a lot of students in our classrooms that speak multiple languages. And sometimes I think for teachers, it can be a little daunting um, to feel like, well, I, I can't speak Korean, so how can I really, it's very hard to work with this child or I can't speak um, Swedish or whatever the language is. But when we start to realize um, that it's all language and it's all literacy and there are connections, that can be really powerful. So I, I don't have a translator with me. Um, the schools I work with, most of them are in international settings. So the, the primary language used at the school is English, but they have students from all over the world. Their, their parents might be diplomats or might work for a big company and they've moved from uh, their home country to this new location. And so they still want their child to... Um, be trained in an English-speaking environment, but but the students still learning their host country language as well. So um, I might be going into that reading and writers workshop that's in Portuguese, and the teacher in that class is speaking Portuguese, and the students are speaking Portuguese, but I can still confer with the kids in English because they're they're multilingual students. Um, so then I, I don't need a translator. I can still talk to them about their book. And I think that's helpful and a big aha for teachers too is seeing that when we confer with kids about what they're reading, it's not about the text. Like I don't need to know what was happening in that book and I don't have to be able to read Portuguese or Korean or whatever language it might be to, to confer with them because the conference is about the reader. So I can talk to them about, well, what is a theme that you've noticed in this book or what are, you, what are you picking up on about the character in this book? And can you explain to me why? And when we start talking about the thinking and what they're doing as a reader, you know, that crosses all language and all literature. Um, and it's actually, there's something that's referred to as translanguaging, which is this idea that when we learn new languages, we're pulling on all of our skills. And so that's what I, that's a lot of the work I do in workshop with the students is helping them as they are now approaching English or maybe multiple languages in their life. Can they use all the skills they have from their native language? So um, it's been a big shift in, in the educational world from going from the type of setup where you might have at first been like, well, English only, only speak English. And it came from a good place because you want 
the students to learn English. But in order to help them learn English, we have to honor what they're doing in their own language. So it's, um, when we think of other things we've learned, like cooking or a sport or a musical instrument, um, we always pull in our background knowledge. So we want to empower students to do that. Like I wouldn't, if I played piano and then I want to learn guitar, we would think it would be kind of silly to say, well, just ignore everything you know about sheet music. Like forget about that because that's only piano and now you're doing guitar. We, we wouldn't do that. And so it's the same with language. Students can come and know that what they learned for their language in um, Japanese can apply to what they are learning in English. So uh, a lot of the work I, I do at schools is about sort of making those bridges and connections between languages, as well as in the host country language, pulling in the readers and writers workshop model. Wow, so. that just sounds so <laughs> interesting. So you, you did a, a chat on Twitter the other night about teacher agency, and you've already mentioned learner agency. Does that kind of all tie in with what you were just talking about? Yeah, I, I think so. That's definitely one of my passions is agency. I think, um, and I love that you mentioned both teachers and learners, because I think that, you know, as people, as humans, we deserve agency, um, no matter what age we are and what stage of life we're in. So I think it definitely applies to both students and adults. And when we think of agency, um, it's really about, you know, choice and voice and ownership. Um, and a lot of times that can be lacking for both both students or adults. And I think what we were just talking about with translanguaging and, and working in multiple languages, that, that goes with agency too, because the student is able to think about all their language skills and actually choose. You know, then they start to learn a lifelong skill of, okay, when is what I know about Spanish going to help me in this situation? And how can I apply that to English? And, you know, there's, it, it opens up their opportunities for what they can use because they've been given the choice and the voice and the ownership to do that. Um, yeah, and we just had a Twitter chat um, just yesterday. I guess I don't want to confuse my time zone with, <laughs> with the different time zones we're in, but I believe even your time, it would have been yesterday. Um, and we were talking about teacher agency because I, thankfully, I feel like learner agency is really building momentum and it's starting to take off and it's being more respected and I'm so excited to see that. I feel like more and more educators and schools are embracing the fact that our kids deserve agency, but I think we still have some work to do with teacher agency. Um, it seems like a lot of times teachers feel a bit um, constricted or like you know they don't have their own voice and choice that we're not necessarily respected as professional educators who um, can do what we need to do, but that we can do it in unique and creative ways while still accomplishing um, our goal and our mission. So I think opening up more opportunities for teachers um, to have more choice in what they're doing. One of the examples that came up in the chat is like professional development. You know, how often are schools actually asking their teachers what they want to do um, based on the different goals of the school rather than just assuming, you know, so just opening up more dialogue and giving teachers more opportunity for choice. The same way that we're asking teachers to do that in their classroom with students, I think that same respect needs to be given to teachers as well. I've really appreciated the ed camp model where it's kind of like going to camp and 
who doesn't like camp, right? Because play, of course, our brain's favorite way to learn. And so you have the sense that you're going to play, but you get to choose, you know, which session you go to. And then you're with the other people who also chose that. And suddenly passions come alive, right? Absolutely. Yeah. No, I love that you mentioned Ed Camp. I completely agree. And um, again, it's, it's really interesting because it is so much of what we try to do. We know it's best and even next practice for our students. So we should be doing that for our teachers too. You know, that in the classroom, we differentiate and we, we give choice when we can and, you know, and all of those things. So we need to make sure that's happening for, for teachers as well. Um, like you said, because who doesn't love that? You know, we're all people and we should be, and we're all lifelong learners. So we should be learning in a way that ignites our passions and um, helps us become even more stronger in what we do, um, not in a way that makes us feel like we don't have autonomy or we don't have creativity. Yeah, I love that. Um, so let's come back to your blog. So you're a writer because you're blogging and today's or again, time zones, maybe yesterday's earlier this week was so good because you talked about the North star. And I love the idea because, you know, you're seeing the same stars I am really. Right. So I love the idea of the child as the North star. Will, Will you explain that for those of us who haven't read that yet? Yeah, so I found myself, uh, we just finished our second week with students in classrooms at Tokyo International School. And, you know, it's that time of year where now we've gotten past the uh, beginning of just rituals and routines in the classroom and like getting to know each other and all of that. And then it's sort of you start to have that feeling of this whirlwind taking place is the way I described it in the post where suddenly you have all these deadlines coming up at once, you know, and there's open house and there's this and that and all these things you need to do while also really digging into your units and learning activities that you want to inquire into. And um, it can start to feel really um, overwhelming. And so what struck me was that, you know, I, I had to remind myself and that's where the post came from. I had to remind, remind myself that, you know, Tanya, don't, don't get distracted by all of this. Everything you're doing is about the kids. It's all about the kids. And that, that is sort of my internal compass, or as I said in the post, my North Star. Like when things get to feel hectic or a little crazy, I can just sort of recenter myself and my drive by saying, you know, what's best for kids? And, you know, what do the kids deserve? And what am I doing today for the kids? Um, and sort of reconnect to the present moment and think, in this moment, what do the kids need and what am I doing to help with that and to support them? Because that's why we're all there. You know, that's why we became educators. Is it's about the kids. We want to help the kids. So reconnecting to that rather than getting sort of lost in all the other details, um, I think is really important. And so if we think of them as our North Star that we follow or our internal compass that we feel, um, I think it can really help us during the times because it's going to happen throughout the school year that things get crazy. Yeah. And so just to ask yourself, well, wait a minute, what's best for kids? It always comes back to what's best for kids, no matter what we're doing. Um, And just using that as a North star or as a guiding, a guiding light or a guiding point to help us on our way. 
you talked too about content versus children. And, and I, I got to come clean here. When I came out of the university, I was going to be the best English and or Spanish teacher there was because let's say Spanish where I ended up, we were going to conjugate verbs. And I wanted kids who were on fire for conjugating verbs. And if you weren't conjugating verbs with the best of them, then, you know, it, it was hard for me to connect with you because I thought, man, you elected this and why aren't you conjugating these verbs? And I, I believe there was a shift when I had my own child from teaching Spanish to teaching kids Spanish, right? And so you, you made that point um, in that post and, and maybe some of the other posts that you've written about. Why do you think that's such a critical distinction and maybe one that we miss in our teacher prep classes? Yes. Um... Oh, I think it's so powerful. I, to me, there was a post I wrote, I guess maybe it's been about a month ago now, where um, another thing that sort of came to my mind was that it's all about relationships. And I think that touches on, on what you're saying there, that so many times, and it's unfortunate, um, especially for teachers who are, you know, preparing in university and college, they're getting all these great classes and courses about how to teach content and content, of course, is important. We our, our students need to learn that content, but it's really so much more about teaching the kids and forming relationships with them. Because if they're struggling to grasp that content, um, it's you forming a stronger relationship with that child is only going to make things better. Like really, any problem we're usually having in class comes back to to a relationship. If, if the child is disengaged or isn't really paying attention. We need to work on building a relationship with them. Um, if they're not understanding the content, we need to work on building a relationship with them. If they're um, distracting other students, we need to work on building a relationship with them. Like it all comes back to that. And it's so, so powerful because I think just as humans, that's a big part of how we learn. You know, if we think back now as adults on our favorite teachers or on the teachers who really, not even our favorite because class was fun or, or what have you, but because they're our favorite because we feel like that teacher really helped me. Like I remember that that teacher suddenly then I understood, you know, algebra or whatever. Um, usually what we remember about that teacher is they connected with us and they helped us. They really listened to us and they cared about us. I, I think that most times I of course can't speak for everyone, but in, in most cases we don't think, you know, I remember that teacher really helped me because she used this specific, um, content strategy of how to explain that content. We didn't know that, you know, as middle schoolers and high schoolers, we're just thinking they saw me and they listened to me and I was a person to them and they like made time for me and helped me. So, and then that's what helped us do it. I think mindset is so powerful that oftentimes um, when a student is struggling, it's partially about understanding, but a big piece of it is mindset that they're feeling maybe they just feel like they're no good at it. And so then they've shut down and, and, and they aren't good at it. But if we can open up dialogue with them and build trust with them and help them see that actually, no, you have a lot of skills here that you can be using and I'm here to help you use these skills and unlock these skills, um, then they can make progress. So yeah, seeing that we're not, we're not teachers of content, really. We're, we're not teaching units. We're not teaching... Um, curriculum. We're teaching learners. We're teaching living, breathing humans and students. And that, um, you know, that, that's a reason too. This kind of just popped in my mind right now, but we hear a lot about 
technology advancing, which is awesome. But I think I think coming back to that relationships is the big piece of why a teacher, a true teacher in the true sense of the word, cannot be replaced. Because we need more than, you know, if it was just about content, sure, we could have um, a computer just teach us the content. But it's about so much more than that. Uh, the relationship piece is super powerful. And I think we need that, those relationships, like as humans, we're, we're driven by relationships and it makes a big difference in our learning. So it's so much more transformational than transactional. Um, I think I heard you use the word feel a half a dozen times. I wonder if it has to do with, with how you're making them feel and maybe some of the reasons we shy away from that a little bit is because feelings can be a little scary? Yeah, I think so. Um, in fact, you know, Barbara, you just reminded me, I think, if I'm remembering correctly, that the first time we connected on Twitter was through sharing um, our thoughts about Byron Katie's work. Oh, so yes, the turnaround so, yeah. thoughts. Yes, yes. And I love her work. So for listeners who aren't familiar with Byron Katie, um, she's written several books and she has uh, sort of, I guess what you could call a framework called The Work, where you question thoughts and turn around thoughts. And so going back to what you were saying, Barbara, about feelings, they, they can be scary sometimes, but using, um, being open-minded and sort of taking an inquiry approach to our feelings and our thoughts can be really powerful and we can help students do that as well. So the idea behind the work is that if I'm having uh, a feeling or sometimes we even refer to it as a, a story I'm really telling myself because thoughts thoughts and feelings can be scary, but a majority of the time we're having thoughts and feelings about something that hasn't even happened yet that's scaring us. So for a student, it might be they're really they're really scared about having all these feelings. Uh, I know a lot of students feel anxiety about math. So maybe it's about something that they're doing in math class and they've already determined in their mind that they just can't do it. I'm bad at math is what they're telling themselves. But using the work inquiry strategy, you know, you could ask, well, is that really true? Like, do I 100% know absolutely that I'm bad at math? Um, are there any turnarounds that I could give that are the opposite of that? You know, what, what else could be true instead? So opening it up to be more open-minded that instead they could say, well, um, you know, actually, what if I said I'm good at math and then thought of a case where I am good at it? You know, can I think back? Maybe I'm in eighth grade now and I'm really struggling, but I can remember back to fifth grade, something I did really well in math. And then that just opens the door for them to start to turn some of those thoughts around and build on it. And if we're there as teachers and can support them in that kind of open-mindedness to be willing to think, well, maybe you're just not good at this yet. I think um, with growth mindset, yet can be a really powerful word to use with students as well. But, you know, you can get better because we're going we're gonna to keep learning. And going back to what you said about feelings, though, that does mean that we do have to be vulnerable as teachers. And I think that can be a little scary and a little daunting at first. But it's so, so worth it. Like, we have to be real with the kids and let them know that, you know, I have trouble with this. Like, here's something that I can't do yet. And open ourselves up to them and let them know that because it's really powerful for the kids to recognize that you're not this all-knowing uh, sage on the stage, as the phrase goes. You're, you're a human, too, and there are things you don't know yet, and you don't have all the answers yet, but you're still learning, and you want to help them learn, too. 
Right, so no more Wizard of Oz stuff where we're behind a curtain dictating. And, and really, because that was when it was transactional. They needed me to teach Spanish because I knew the information and they didn't. And now they can really just get Rosetta Stone or they can Google search it or they can learn those verbs without me. So it becomes the relation piece that really is, is the hook, that really is the why behind education now, I think. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Yeah, that it's, we, that they need more, it's more than just content. You need human interaction and you need understanding and you need someone who can be there to help um, coach and guide you as you learn. You know, even as adult learners, we still need that. Um, that's why we have instructional coaches, right? And, and I have so much fun and I learn so much through coaching other teachers, um, so it's, it's something that even as adults we still need, you need that interaction there and someone that, an actual person who's there. Okay, coach. So what are our self-care strategies? Do you, you know, if we're, if we're coaching, we're going to use that metaphor. We have to practice every day because we don't get better unless we practice. So how do you take care of Tanya? Mm. Yeah, so I think, um, I'm glad you asked that because I think self-care is really, really important. Um, in fact, I just tweeted, I guess it was last night, and it's already been um, retweeted uh, over 100 times, which surprised me, but in a good way. It was a tweet about self-care, and I basically said, you know, we need to stop glorifying busy, and I think that's a big part of self-care that... Um, we need to make sure we're honoring uh, balance in our lives and we're honoring our integrity and principles and we're taking time for us. So um, I'll share in just a moment some things that I do, but first just to kind of speak to the fact of letting listeners out there and teachers know that it's something you need to do, like it is important and it is valued because I think in our society right now, unfortunately, in many places, being busy is kind of glorified, especially for educators. I think Many are made to feel that, um, well, you know, I kind of need to say that, yeah, I was at school until <laughs> 8 o'clock last night, and I was doing this or that, and that that, like, makes us better. Like, that's a badge to, like, wear around and be like, I did this. And, and I don't think the people doing that are doing it in a um, uh, conceited way or in a negative way. I think it's just they're feeling this pressure to say that because it's sort of been painted as the image of, well, as an educator, you know, that's what you just have to do, and you have to just devote your whole entire self to this. Um, and in some ways, we feel that way because, again, going back to what we were saying earlier, we want to do what's best for kids, so I'd better, like, sacrifice myself for the kids. And that can sound good at first, but we're not going about it in the correct way. Um, we can't really give our all to our kids if we're not taking care of ourselves. You know, we can't accomplish our big why of helping kids, you know, if our why is empowering kids to be lifelong learners and empowering kids to, you know, have just a fantastic future, um, we can't do that if we're not taking care of ourselves first. We're, we're going to end up burning out, which we've seen a great deal of teacher burnout because of this, so that, that is the reality. Um, we're going to end up not really being present with kids in the moment, so then we can't really build true relationships with them. You know, all these things we've talked about wanting to do, we can't do that if we don't take time to first reflect and rejuvenate. So I think 
an important step right now is for school leaders and administrators to let teachers know that it is not just okay, but actually ideal that they have balance in their life and that they take care of themselves. Because in the end, that's going to make them have an even greater positive impact on the kids. And it's all about the kids, you know. So some things personally that that I do to, um, to take care of myself is, uh, I think, setting some boundaries for myself about uh, when, when I leave work, things like that, because the reality of being an educator is um, your work is never really done, if you know what I mean. Like, you don't, it's not that you clock out and that's all done for the day, and then the next day you come back and it's like a fresh new day with other new tasks of, that no, it's just, um, you know, it's always, there's always a list of things that I could be working on. So I have to self-manage and, and have some self-care and say, no, I know that I also need time with my husband. I also need time to um, just take a breath. Um, so I make sure that I cut off by this time. And when it reaches that time, I leave. And I just have to set that for myself and self-monitor in that way. Um, another thing that really helps me uh, and this is unique to me, but I think other people could think of ways in their life that it might apply is um, for, I'm, I'm a, a biblically based Christian, so I keep the seventh day Sabbath. So Saturday is our Sabbath, and that's a day to just completely not do any work, uh, to reconnect with my family, to reconnect spiritually with my faith, um, and taking that time and just really having a day of true rest and reconnection uh, has been super powerful in my life. I, I don't think I would go into the next week feeling rejuvenated and ready to just like rock it and be on fire for the kids and the teachers I work with if, if I didn't take that day of rest. Um, so for others who might have different faiths, you know, I think just finding time, whether it be a specific day or, or just taking time each day to just kind of be in the present moment, you know, maybe for you, you know, for me, it might be Bible study or prayer, but for someone else, it could be taking a walk or, you know, um, just taking a moment to sit and listen to some music, um, just something to just stop for a minute, because we're always so on the go, on the go, on the go and, and reflect. Um, I think reflection is a powerful piece, too. Um, as an IB educator, um, you know, it's all about inquiry and a big piece of the inquiry cycle is reflection. Yet I think we often leave that piece off or just kind of only do it when there's time. But I think we really need to make sure we honor that, that piece of reflection in our lives. Um, because life is really one big inquiry cycle. We're always learning. So uh, taking time to just reflect and think, you know, what did I really do this week that went well? What might I change? Um, and that those could be for things both professional and personal. But just taking time to stop and be in the present moment and breathe <laughs> is important. And I really think um, teachers need to feel like it's okay to do that. That that we think that by running ourselves into the ground, that's going to make us better. Like that's going to make us the best teacher ever because I'm just doing all this stuff, but it won't be sustainable or as powerful if we don't stop and take regular self-care. The gift of time really is a powerful um a powerful thing to give ourselves and certainly the learning our learning happens in the reflection so if if we're running from pillar to post and we're never reflecting we're missing the learning right what, what we're supposed to 
to gain from all of those experiences. So what a gift you've given us. Wow, you have a lot, a lot to share. And I am so thankful that you came um, to talk to us today. Will you tell the listeners where they can find you, follow you, grow with you, um, learn alongside of you all the way over there in Tokyo? Sure, sure. Um, so I'm uh, pretty active on Twitter. So they can follow me on Twitter uh, at Mrs. underscore Gilchrist. So at Mrs. Gilchrist. And then uh, I also have a website, which is just my name, TanyaGilchrist.com. And I blog there pretty regularly, usually about once a week. I'll have something that I post up there that's been on my mind. Um, and that's also where they can connect if they're interested um, in having me come to consult at their school. They can always connect through my website as well. Um, and then I'm currently, it's still very much in the development phase, but I'm currently working on a book as well about uh, bridging and marrying readers and writers workshop with inquiry-based instruction. So um, if that's something that interests listeners, they can just keep a lookout. It's in the development stages right now, but down the road, that will be available too. So your what's next is that you're an author, Yes, that's my what's next, yeah. Oh, I'm so happy for you. I'm so proud of you. And I'm so grateful, Tanya, that you would carve out some time for for us today. I want to remind um, listeners that this podcast is supported by ProSign Design, a family-owned business dedicated to character, safety, and organization. I want to invite you to come back next week as we continue the conversation about character education, connections, and life. And Tanya, I just want to encourage and affirm your work. It, it must be sometimes hard to be away from home, but what a blessing you are over there abroad and um, carrying the torch for your North Stars. Oh, thank you, Barbara. No, it's been so wonderful talking with you today. I feel like, um, you know, in so many ways, we're just, well, well, because I know we do, we have that same mission, that same North Star. So I feel like I could just talk to you all day. So thank you. This has been a real joy. Listeners, if you enjoyed our visit today, feel free to review us on iTunes. And until next time, remember that character 